Hello, Karen. Hello, Jack. How are you? I'm very well. And uh, for our listeners, I'm actually looking at Karen Plus One. We have a new member of the team now, don't we, for season nine? We do indeed. We've got a new addition. So we've got little Margot, my new little daughter, born a couple of weeks ago. She's uh, helping Jack and I do some recording today. (laughs) Yeah, so that's fantastic. The team keeps growing, as we say. (laughs) Yeah, and any age, we'll just take them and train them up from from birth. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. What else is um, happening now, Jack? What else are we doing? Who's new? Obviously, we've we've had quite a a gap you know to allow us to take a breath after your first season with us you needed time to recover um (laughs) i think also we've had so much interest in terms of getting involved so i'm really pleased to shout about some of the new additions we've got a new season sponsor who you'll hear from in a bit which is active events uh they're returning so thanks ever so much to paul and the team for that we've also got new sponsor this season for our shout outs um the team at the international institute of live events loved what we were doing in terms of the shout outs so beware of that when you when you hear sasha shouting out about uh, industry peers um that's now a sponsored feature by paul and the team we've obviously still got all of our um quick fire round sponsors an area that's really passionate to us because it gives us the chance to ch- shout about possibly sometimes some of the smaller businesses the individuals who don't always get the chance to uh, to market themselves and then the new partnership we have with standout magazine you know one of the you know if not the leading uh, events magazine publication uh, for our sector so yeah it's crazy I feel, I feel like it's just all go isn't it it's just suddenly all ramped up hasn't it and which is fantastic so yeah thank you to everybody that's getting involved and supporting us it's, it's brilliant really brilliant a little bit of pressure as well, though, because uh, we've had so many of our listeners getting in touch saying, when are we going to be back and who have we got on for season nine? So I think I think we should just roll straight with it. You know, we, we've obviously, I think everyone appreciates that we're we're busy now. We're, we're all about, and I, I will let a little bit of a secret in, we have recorded all six episodes of this season already. So it'll be nice for you and I, Karen, to reflect back on each of those. Uh, as we come into it so so this first one it goes back to a recording we made a few weeks ago um all the way across in boston yes yeah that was fantastic chatting to lovely jen wasn't it she was just like an inspiration from the first word she said i think that's how i felt when we were chatting to her yeah, like so many of our guests, it's it's. A, it, I don't feel we do them justice in the small amount of time that we have for the recording, and we could probably do two or three recordings with them. So hopefully people enjoy this episode. Hopefully they'll get a lot from it. I know we both did. Um, yeah. So let's jump, jump straight into the recording. Um, but before that, let's hear again from our new season sponsors, Activo Events. The Activo Events team are delighted once again to be season sponsors of the podcast. We are currently recruiting all levels of our business across our three locations, Edinburgh, London and Dublin, to begin your career in the events industry or if you're looking for a new challenge or experience in this great industry then contact us now. Please send an email with the type of role you're looking for and any experience you might have to events.uk at activo.com. Enjoy the show! So, welcome, Jen. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello, hello. Glad to be here. 
I think it would be good and only right that we got you to introduce yourself first because we may have told people a little in a bit in the introduction, but why don't you even tell us what you're currently doing? Because I know your roles have changed over the past couple of years, but let's just focus in on what your current role is and what you're doing now. So I'm Jenna Chara. Hello, everybody. And I live out in the Boston area. Uh, so Massachusetts, if you've ever been there. I'm born and raised in New England. I've been here my whole life. And it's just me, my husband, and my son, Nick, who is 17. I've been in the events industry now for, oh, gosh, I don't know. It seems like a long time. Like We all feel that way. It just seems like a really long time after the last few years. But my most recent role, I was vice president of global events and experiential marketing for WorkHuman. And WorkHuman is an HR technology company focused on the power of uh, what we call social recognition in the workplace. Um, and so in that role, I was responsible for setting the global event strategy, uh, leading the planning, the experiential and the execution model for their hosted and third party events. Um, and part of that was this HR industry premier event called Work Human Live, which was their mission based event built around more the thought leadership in the HR space and really celebrating, elevating the HR community. So that was my most recent role. However, about two months ago, I resigned from my position and I did so without having a new job, which I'm sure you've all heard the term, the great resignation. And that's me. I am living the great resignation or uh, I've heard it called the great reawakening, the great (laughs) reimagination. I mean, whatever you want to call it. Um, For me, it's really about taking a moment in time to just recalibrate kind of where I am and reset. And I mean, we're all busy. You guys are all busy. I mean, like really busy. Right. And we we've always led busy lives. This is an industry for the busy. I mean, it is always fast paced. And I mean, yeah, we had COVID and that's a lot of people decided to leave the workforce because of what they sort of, you know, realized during COVID. But for me, that's part of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a working mom, you know, I'm an executive, I'm a partner, I have many roles in my life that are important to me. And rarely, if ever, have I or we or anyone really ever get the chance to pause and reassess what our goals are, both personally and professionally you know, take that step back and and define what you really want and what you don't want. And so I decided to give myself a three month vacation and decide what my next chapter is going to look like. And it's pretty liberating, I got to say, and it's pretty exciting to do. It's a little, you know, it's a risk, but, um, you know, I'm responsible for the decisions that I make and and no one else. And I think you just kind of know when it's time. And I definitely am not leaving the industry. So I'm not one of the great resignation folks that's just leaving and never coming back. I love it. It's where my passion um, continues to live and continues to grow and nothing, you know, still to this day, I can't imagine doing anything else. Nothing gives me more joy than seeing the impact that events have on the world and how people feel. So right now I'm doing a lot of my industry boards and committees and I'm really enjoying um, some work I'm doing kind of, I I call it on the side, but I guess it's not on the side if you don't have anything. (laughs) If you're not, if you're not fully employed, I guess it's not really on the side, but I'm doing some advisory work for some, you know, for um, some early stage startups um, that I really am enjoying. And um, I've spent some really quality time in the last two weeks with you know, many of my industry colleagues that I have not seen for two years outside of LinkedIn and, and, and Jack, like, and Karen, you and I, we met on LinkedIn, like we didn't know each other. And so many of those relationships that we all have, I'm sure we could, we could list 
maybe a hundred people we met in the last year that we just never would have met if, if this hadn't happened. And so I've really enjoyed having the time to talk with them on the phone, get with them on zoom, flying out and meeting people that I never met before. Like I just, I got to go last, I'm, I'm on one of the committees and boards for destinations international. I went to their event last week. I got to see people that I haven't, I got to see my great friend, Jean, who you had on the show, Jean Prokof. And I sat to see a bunch of my friends and met so many new people. And I've got, I mean, like everyone, I've really missed that over the years. And what I realized and what I knew in my heart, which I know to be true now, is that that community, my community, my network is really strong. And there's so much opportunity out there. Karen is is currently people. Karen, Karen is sat back thinking, now I know why Jack wanted <laughs> Jen on the podcast. You know? <laughs> Literally, Jen, Jen and I met, we're going back probably nearly two years now, Jen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we met through a mutual connection for, for a, a, an event that was actually happening in America. I was online and we had one conversation pre-event and I just thought, we're going to get on. We're going to get on it. It was one conversation and then we did a follow-up conversation after the event. And then since then, we've just bounced off each other, just not regularly, just randomly just bounced off each other. And I think people who are listening will be begin to understand why already. You put me at ease too, Jack. I'll remind you if you don't remember, but I, I was doing, I was kind of running a hundred miles an hour, you know, at the moment and I threw together like my notes and I was going to do this presentation and, and Jack was there to make sure that everything, you know, ran smoothly. But then, you know, he also put me at ease. He was like, you know, you're going to do fine. You're well prepared, you know, and I felt I felt like I was in good hands all around. Like Jack was going to catch me if I fell down. <laughs> and I think that's one thing I love about this industry is it's all about who you want in the trenches with you, right? It's like these connections and you know who's there for you, you know, who's there to to support. And Karen? I, I was just thinking then, actually, that's a really inspirational start to the podcast because you've already come out and said to us well I'm having a break from it and I think people really appreciate honesty and saying you know what I'm having a break I'm going to reassess what I'm doing I'm still I'm still working and I can focus on my projects but actually I want to take some time out and think about what I want to do because you're right we're so busy and frantic with everything just being brave and saying you know what I want to stop. I mean, I'm I'm stopping, but for a very different reason. So I'm not reassessing, but I'm going to stop. But it was, yeah. No, I think that's just a really that's a really brilliant start, and people will really appreciate that and go, oh, you know what? I've got to think about what I'm doing, and you know, my career path, and you know, what's um what what's coming up next, which then leads me to your journey into events because I'm imagine I, I can't even imagine that the route in to be honest Jen so I'm 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 strapped in and ready (laughs) it's well it was not a direct path and it was definitely by accident not by choice so I don't know if you hear that one a lot but but you know uh, like as part of my journey and almost before I tell you the story like I I I wanted to tell you this for a reason because it will kind of round out I think by the time I tell my story is that I I hear the term event planner all the time right and sure we plan we know how to plan stuff right I mean yes okay check that box but I actually kind of cringe a little bit when I get called an event planner because I think that event professionals are so much more than planners and having been in so many different roles along my journey um, from manager to VP to to jobs that were so unrelated to what we're doing right now I see it totally differently and I think there's so many skills that we have now as event 
as event professionals. And I mean, we are, we're brand ambassadors, we're revenue generators, we're problem solvers, we are creatives, strategic advisors, we, we, we build communities, we're content creators, we are experiential designers, we're advocates. I mean, I could go on, digital experts, we're, we're dream makers, we're, now we're futurists, we're trying to figure out like, what is the next version of events look like and yes we we know how to plan we know how to do logistics those are like key things we have to know how to do or um but i think that the list goes on the skill set that we need and the work that we do is just absolutely tremendous and i think that along my journey one of the things i've realized and is that event professionals are some of the smartest people i've ever met in my life like i i i've done lots of different jobs but the journey for me was not straightforward at all and i again i didn't see this as a career opportunity um i didn't want to do this for a living i didn't go to school for it but i i can't imagine doing anything different and i think it might go back to i mean how many years we want to go back but as a kid i always had a wild imagination I mean, lots of kids. I mean, we like to dream. We pretend. We invent things. Um, I always wanted to be the, you know, the leader in the group of friends when we were going on do something. I would take everybody along with me for the ride and the journey. And um, and I, but my, I, like as a kid, I always had this brain that was always thinking about lots of things all the time. Like it just, like I was always, you know, an endless capacity for details. I was always planning multiple things at any given time, even though it was in play. And you know, sometimes it annoyed my teachers because I always asked why and how come about everything. Everything. And nobody has, has the time to tell a kid or well, the why and how come of every every single scenario, right? So I, I early on, I love telling stories. I I felt like I at one point, I think I thought I, I, I loved making people laugh. And I didn't know what a comedian was. But I always thought that would be so fun, to, you know, to just make people laugh for a living. So my first job, I, I couldn't wait to work. I think I was like 14. I got a work permit. Second, my dad drove me to the mall. I got a job in a shoe store. I was the youngest person that worked in the shoe store and I figured out that like, if I was really nice to people and I talked to them and they talked to me and we, they would buy shoes. And so then I could make more money. And so I made like commission and I thought that was like the greatest job on the planet and I loved it. And that was sort of when my passion for fashion kind of took over. Right. I went to school. I wanted to be a clothing. I was a clothing textile. I think it was fashion merchandising was this really long title, the major that I went into, but the long and short of that was, I wanted to be a buyer. I thought I was going to go and you know work for like a major department store, and I would I would, I would decide what they were going to sell. And I was I was really interested in all that, and I like design and things. But shortly after that, like the quick job was to get a job in retail, and I hated that. I was so bored. I lost interest in seconds. I'd stand around for hours watching people walk by in the mall, and I was like, I can't do this. And so I left that, and I ended up somehow. Someone I knew worked for a healthcare IT company and they were hiring customer service reps. And she's like, you can apply here and, you know, get a job here. At the time, I just really wanted to work. So I got the job and and I remember going through the process and they didn't want to hire me. Like the internal recruiter was like, she doesn't have the right skills to do you know, this, this service job. Cause I didn't check the boxes. I didn't have like computer skills. I didn't have whatever it was they was looking for. And it was really based on what experience they were looking for versus like the type of person that I was, or maybe what type of person that I could develop into, like who could I become? Like if I, if I had a chance and what, what could I do? And, you know, they hired me anyway, the recruiter reluctantly, but the hiring manager was like, give it a chance. And so I ended up staying there for many years. Um, and I, I worked in customer support. I had some account management roles. I actually was a product manager at one point. And I think that's where I started to get into more like 
trying to understand how things were put together. And I had user groups to manage, but still I kind of wanted more. And I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I always wanted to try new things. That's one of the things I was like to try new things. And I, the company that I was working for at the time was not that kind of company, fairly rigid. They were, they were not really good and still are not great at trying at, at the untried, right? If it, it, it fit the mold, you, that's everyone yeah. and everything had to fit a mold. And I couldn't understand how you could grow something to keep it the same. And so it really made me feel claustrophobic. So I left. And when I left, I took kind of a huge leap and went into the startup world. So I went from this very conservative, everything's sort of done a certain way to this wild world of a startup and in, a, in, in still in the field of healthcare, but totally different. And the good news is, is they were open to trying lots of things, right? You could, you could try all sorts of things, but resources are limited. So not only were you trying things, you were also doing the things, right? So you were, you were mm-hmm. trying and you were doing. And so I ended up in sales and within months I ended up running worldwide sales and marketing. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm in sales. I know what I'm going to do, right? I've got a, got a career, you know, I was in the rear of direct sales and I, I worked in technology, but I, I didn't have a healthcare background, right? And I ended up going to another technology company in there and I was selling radiology information systems and something called PACS, which is the way that like a radiologist will look at your images, right? I know I got it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a clinical background. That's a little scary, right? They bring me in to sell this to So you think about it that way. So to be successful, I had to figure out how do I engage with them and and build credibility so that they'll buy stuff for me and I can actually make money doing this, right? Like, cause I'm, I'm here to make, you know, to get paid. But so I started offering these, these free workflow assessments in radiology departments. Now I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that there were problems that had to be solved. And if I could find the problems and show them a way to solve them, well then that would help me get into their environment, build credibility. And then ultimately they would, they would buy something, right? So that's what I did. And I would spend two days in their office doing interviews. Um, I'd outline the gaps, the risks, the costs that I could find like in the radiology department. And then I present them back and then they actually bought stuff from me. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Right now I have a, I had a creative outlet. I figured out, you know, I was solving problems and go back to what I was saying in the beginning, right? I was a problem solver. I was a strategic asset to the radiologist and I was being creative. And those were all things I always liked to do, but I never thought they were part of, I didn't know where they fit or how I could harness them to do anything. And so healthcare experience continues on. I end up in cybersecurity. I had a sales team. I did go-to-market strategy. I did sales enablement. I did business development. And I was creating in these roles and building programs and, and reference sites or communities and stuff. But I also went to a lot of events that were hosted for me as a sales professional or a marketing professional. And I got to say, honestly, I was the one. I would go to these market, these events, these huge conferences, the company would put on for us. And I was going back to my retail experience in my head and I was bored out of my mind. I would at these events, <laughs> they were the, you know what I'm talking about? They were the same cookie cutter event year after year. I sat in an uncomfortable seat. I ate bad food. There was a product parade on stage, long drawn out keynotes. They, every single person was, was, you know, brought up on, on the stage and, and wheeled in front of us. And I just wanted to go back to my room and do work. And I would sneak out. I would go back to my room. I caught my, do my customer calls. And I was super critical. I mean, I had a really bad attitude really about events. And I felt like every time I sat in the audience, it was always about like what they wanted to tell me, but not about what I wanted to know. And it used to make me crazy. Right. So then, well, 
be careful what you complain about or <laughs> what you wish for. Because then one day somebody quit and they canceled the Worldwide Sales and Marketing Conference. And I was like, for me, I was like, great. I don't have to go to Vegas in July again this year because it's hot in Vegas in July over. Well, yeah. the president of sales at the time, you know, he said to me, he said, Jen, I... I have to bring my team together. Even if there isn't going to be a worldwide event, I need to bring my my leadership team together in the US. We have to get together physically, right? We have to meet face to face, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's going to be, dis- and you have to help me. And I was like, what? No, <laughs> I am like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm a flat, like, no way. I'm not doing that. I, I'm not an event planner. I, I don't know how to do this. This is not, I no, I no, there's got to be someone else that can help you. He's like, Ben, you know, you're creative. You, you know, you're you're one of us. Like, I need help. Like, can you just help me? And I was like, oh, well, it turned out it was very, it was a very reluctant yes. But eventually I said yes. And it was six weeks, six cities with a, only four week ramp time up into the first one. And as you can imagine, and you guys do this for a living, it was a complete roller coaster and it had a shoestring budget and I had no team. And I literally walked around and I found people in the company and I was like, okay, you're going to be in charge of hotels. And they were like, what? <laughs> what? And I was like, <laughs> and we were like literally overnight, we, we hired a speaker. We brought her on the road with us for the full six weeks so that we didn't have to be we just like, you're going to do six cities with us. We, um, we were ordering, I mean, I was, our, I forget, we were, we were ordering shower curtains on Amazon to do stage <laughs> dressing and make game shows. And it was like crazy. We were writing skits and it was nuts. And, you know, the end result of this was we, we ch- like, we, we all were challenged. We, we were all challenged. We, we, we did what was we thought was totally impossible and and we did it and and I thought wow that was pretty amazing we got through that he was happy everybody was happy I was exhausted I thought wow how do people do this for a living right I'm like geez I'm like I've never been more tired in my life six weeks of this I was like passed out oh no but it wasn't over because when it was over he said to me congratulations now you own creative services production and events and your next event is 3,000 people and you have it's got to be in nine months and it's three and a half days and you're going to own this worldwide conference and it no pressure but it's going to be responsible for helping us you know drive the company's revenue goals for like 18 months and I thought oh my god I was like no, but it was kind of one of those moments. It was a huge turning point in, in, in my in my life, but it was one of those moments where you sort of were like, I can't really say no to this. I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but I absolutely know that there's no way I'm going to let this fail because it just can't, right? So I had no team. I did have a budget. That was good. But I also, for me, I you know had never done that before. I thought, you know, things that would come, like I wanted to do to make it different were I needed more money. So I started tin cupping, you know, other teams mm-hmm. and trying to get money, people to throw money in the tin cup. And, you know, all from the girl who is not, quote unquote, an event <laughs> planner, right? She's running around asking people to help her with this event. And I built like this sort of cross-functional team. And now, mind you, you know, there were people that were actually in event roles. And so that was interesting, like me coming together with them and trying to, you know, figure out how to work together. And I had one opinion, they had another. And so, you know, we, I mean, eventually over time, we we grew to love each other, but, you know, there was a bit of a bump in the road, you know, we're trying to figure this out. Um, You know, but I, you know, I feel like I led with 
more intuition than anything else. And yeah. I try to, you know, get people to rally the troops to follow me and by, you know, by inspiring them to, to think about, you know, just think about what do people, you know, how do we want people to feel? What do we want them to do? And we can solve those small little questions. We, you know, this is, we can do this, you know, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. Kind of, kind of goes back to that first role he had in that shoe uh-huh. shop. Yes. You know, in terms of talking with people. And if you engage with them and you get a common ground, they will actually, you know, engage with you and hopefully purchase off you. So you, you kind of did that with those team members, didn't you? You kind of yep. you engaged, you, fa- you found a common ground and a way that you could move forward to deliver a good experience. Hello everybody, Sasha here bringing you the first Talent Spotter shout out of the season. This week's Talent Spotter shout out is going to Freya Parsh, who is an Oxford Brooks University student who is currently on her placement year and working really hard to grow her skill set within the industry. So well done Freya. This weekly shout out is sponsored by the International Institute of Live Events, your place for event resources and online courses. You've, you've talked about probably what may come under the answer to this one, because we always ask our guests to try and pick out their favourite event. And we're, we're, normally, we're normally quite lenient. We normally allow people a couple. You've already shared a couple of big ones, I, I would imagine, in your development and career with us. So if it isn't those two, are there any others that really stand out as events that you use when you're giving examples one part of events is just giving back, right? So how how we choose to give back to the community or organizations or charity or things like that that we do in events. And we started an events that give back program that kind of snowballed and it's something that was really important to us that we include in every single event. And I think there's so many good stories there, but one of them that really sticks out in my mind that was part of a larger event. You know, we all have events in events, right? There's like one event, but there's a million events that happen in it that kind of helped that whole thing kind of grow into its own standalone thing. You know, we always want to do stuff, but we, but people want to give back inherently. I think they want to give, they want, but they don't know how. And so if you can figure out a way to, to give them a path to give back, then they, they want to participate. Like they, they, it's hands down. People are not going to say no. Most of the time that I don't want to participate. It makes them feel good. They feel like they work for a good company. They're part of a community that is, is good people. And, and, and you're doing something good for other people. So one year we were in Florida doing one of these large sales events and we were looking for a local organization. And I don't remember if we, if we sent out a survey and asked people to to nominate, but someone came forward. Um, one of the one of our employees had come forward, and she had a daughter who was involved in the Special Olympics. And if you don't know the Special Olympics, they're you know large sports organization for people with intellectual disabilities. And her daughter's name was Becky, and um, Becky was on the gymnastics dance team and very active in that. And she was wanting to go to this national competition, but the funds were not there for the team to go. They had to pick only so many teams a year can compete and this team wasn't going to be one of the ones to get to go um and that meant they had to have money for travel accommodations uniforms it was a whole list of things everything and so 
you know, meeting with, with um, Sandy as her mom's name and meeting with Becky and some of the, you know, folks from the special Olympics, there was just an instant connection and we didn't know how, but we knew there was no way we weren't going to help this group. Like they, we were going to figure out, you know, we, we were doing this. And so we sat down with them. We asked them what they wanted, like what was it, what was important to them. And one of the things that's super important to the athletes was medals, right? So they love getting a, a remembrance of the event that they competed in and, and, and where they place and even and just that they, to, something to hold on to. And just like the Olympics, when they win their competitions, they would collect these medals. And then the second thing was that they showcase the medals. They, they, they have these like, you know, things in their rooms or on their walls that they want to hang their medals on. So they needed a way to display the medals and then podiums. They asked us for podiums. So like when, you know, when you watch the Olympics on TV, everybody stands up number first place, second place, third place, you know, they, they want that experience. Um, and then of course they needed the money, right. To compete. So we were like, okay, we're on this. We have all these things that they want. We're going to make somehow we're going to figure out how to get them all depending on budget. We have budget. We don't have, and just kind of pull the internal teams together and talk to the, our organization who's very, giving and very um, connected and, and, you know, had great programs for employees to give back. And we managed to create a way for people, you know, to not only donate funds, but the company would do, you know, a $2 match for every dollar that we were able to collect. So we were going to get this great match in funds. So we had the funds part covered, right? We knew we'd be able to, with 3000 people in a room, we could get that people to donate money. But then we had, you know, some of the other things that we needed to do. So we opened up the donation process, brought the, um, the team from the Special Olympics in, we, you know, we did the typical, like we got people in a room, we had the, the donations going, we had music playing, we created a party, people created the plaques, they wrote inspiring messages on all of the plaques, we had the Olympians part of that with us and, you know, walking around and, and interacting, we were interacting with them and all that was great all that we raised the money, but the best part, the part that like is going to probably make me cry. Tell the story again is the performance that they put on. So as a thank you to us, they wanted to do a dance performance. It was the most unbelievable thing. Um, I can still see it when I close my eyes, it makes me smile from ear to ear, but just imagine you've got a ballroom full of 3000 people the Olympic anthem is playing, the back doors of the room open, and the athletes are all dressed in full uniform, and they're carrying the Olympic torches, and they walk the full length of the ballroom up onto the side of the stage, and they come up on stage, and the entire room is like standing up, you know, applauding them, and they are smiling and smiling and smiling, and they got up on stage, and they did this performance, this dance performance. I mean, there was not a dry eye in that room. I am like, it's, I'm well thinking about it. It is a moment that I will never forget. It is a moment that is like imprinted in my mind of why, again, go back to what I said, the power in events, right? Like this, this is what, what that moment did for them and what it did for us is something I'll never forget. And then after the performance is over, remember they want medals, right? So, oh my God. So then we had our theme that year was called Game On, you know, sales conference Game On. Mm-hmm. And so we had these Game On medals created and trophies and everything. And the exec, you know, team came up and they were so like, oh, my God, they were like so emotional. And they did the whole, you know, put the medal around the neck, awarded them, shook their hands. And they were like, everybody was like, again, they were like trying to hold it together. And then, of course, we gave them the check and everybody gave them a standing ovation. And, you know, 
it was just amazing. And that, that event and that relationship with the special Olympian athletes continued for years. Like it came back. Like we, we did a re we did a re you know, we reconnected with them the following year. I flew to Orlando so many times and I went to competitions and saw them compete because I just was so felt so connected to them. I think sometimes, Jen, I think we often forget why we do events, don't we? Like we forget what, why we're in this industry and you need a moment like that to say that's yes. why it's worth all this hard work and the sleepless nights and you kind of working out how we're going to make this happen. I think all of us have probably got a few of those stories where you think, oh, I mean, nothing on the scale of that because that is very like, that's very emotional. But it's like, you know, sometimes we need to stop and think this is why we do it. This is why we put the hours in. You know, every year we try to we tried to do something that was that good, and there was some good ones, but that was really that performance. I think you know when I talk about it now, where people say, "Oh, that's the year that the athletes with you know they remember, they remember it, they'll never forget it." So, Jen, leading on from that, can you give us your best bit of learning? So, something that you've been taught, or something that you can pass on to our, our listeners? Because I think you know, so everything we've heard so far, there's going to be some fantastic things you can pass on. Let's see. Um, Well, one, I think, um, I think who we spend our time with really makes a difference. And one of the things that somebody told me a piece of advice that great boss that I had, you know, through this, through this journey had said to me um, was to surround myself with people who always told me the truth. He said, the best thing you can do is, is, is make sure that you're around people that no matter what, they're always going to tell you, the honest to God truth, regardless of what you want, you know, you might want to hear, right? Always. And I think I've always tried to create my own personal board of directors that fills that role for me. And it's something I would tell, I always tell, I actually, when people ask me for a piece of advice, I always give that one, that's my one line that I always say that surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth. And that board of directors has your best interests at heart, no matter what, right? So they're not, um, they could be your friends, they could be your family, they could be your colleagues, they could be ex-colleagues, they could be anyone. The thing with them is they just want to see you be your best self, and there's no hidden agenda. There's no politics. There's no anything like that. Um, they could be people you work with too. And sometimes they are. And sometimes this, it changes throughout your life, right? Like that you add people, you, you take them off your board of directors. Um, and it matters like in a team, you know, as part of your team and in your professional life, because you want to be surrounded by people that are going to tell you the truth. And, you know, if, and I always say that to, you know, in my, in teams that I've had is you have a voice, like you, and I want you to use your voice. Like, and, and, you know, we do it in a respectful way, but if you think that I'm going down the wrong, I, I'm, I'm suggesting something and you think there's going to be a consequence to that. That's not, you know, you got to tell me, I might still decide to make the same decision and and risk the consequence, but you need, that's, you need to tell, you need to stand up and you need to speak up. So I always try to create an environment professionally where people feel like they have that autonomy to stand up and be able to say what they think, I think as well, I, I think like you, that I'm all about having that tribe of people. And we, we do mention that quite a lot about, you know, it's this gang of people that you can turn to and you know they're going to be honest and say, oh, don't do that. Or we thought about this. And yeah, no, that's that is a brilliant piece of advice because I think everybody needs someone to turn, especially when you're kind of if you're working on your own or you're working in a new team, you need to be able to say to somebody, oh, I, I need to just sign this out with you. You know, I, I need you to help me with this.
Karen, how are you going to answer Jen's question that's going to be put to us now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you ready? Are you I ready? don't know. Oh, I, I don't okay. think I'm even ready. <laughs> I have so many. I have so many. So I'm, uh, let's see. Well, okay. So do I have to ask you, do I ask you each the same question? Yes. That's entirely okay. up to you. Up to oh, you. Well, yeah, okay. Up to well, you. maybe we'll do two. Okay. If you could be a superhero and possess any superpower that you wanted, who would you be and what would your superpower be? And maybe they're not one in the same. Maybe you're the superpower that you really want versus the superhero that you really want. But what would your superhero superpowers be? My gosh, can you hear that? That's actual silence for me and Jack. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> it's a hard one. I know. I know. Jack, are you going to go first? Because you can answer this one quickly. I, I need to think about it. <laughs> Well, my, my daughters would probably say I'm the Incredible Hulk because I can turn. <laughs> that's, that's not exactly helpful. <laughs> I love that one. Um, but let's say I'd, I'd hope I wasn't. Um, I think if I was to say one, and I don't know exactly why, but again, it's, to, it's talking about values. It's talking about trying to protect. It's talking about trying to lead. I wonder whether it'd be Captain America because, you know, and I don't think that's an obvious one, but I'm just trying to think in terms of the things that Captain America stood for, you know, in terms of how he was, you know, brought into, you know, he was there to protect, he was there to challenge, he was there to, you know, overcome the good and the bad, but to to, to create a positive outcome. So I don't know whether that one, don't know whether that answers it correctly, but I was just trying to think in terms of, yeah, maybe that one. What about a superpower? I mean, flying's good because I get to places quicker, you know. So maybe yeah. either flying or maybe flash, you know, in terms yeah, of that flash. Speed. Oh, I like that. You know, it just I think it'd help extend the day if I could get and do things quicker. You know, I always think I was thinking in terms of Superman when he was doing all these journalistic bits. You know, being able to type that so quick. You know, <laughs> I could I could create a project proposal within seconds instead of hours. <laughs> Love you know? it. So yeah, maybe one of those two. If if mine's the same question, Jen, I would like to be Iron Man, definitely. I was well, I, I I was thinking of the Thanos route, but I think that's potentially a bit power crazy. But I do love Iron Man. I, I I love the fact he's that inventor and creator and thinking of ideas and solutions. I know he I know he is a, he he comes across as a bit selfish, but actually I think his intentions are he's he wants to solve a a problem and also he's just got the coolest suit to wear as well that touch of that button and he's fully ready for action so <laughs> i probably would be iron man um my superpower um i think i would quite like to fly i mean you know just 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 to cover all that ground you know like just to see see everything as well from a height and just to see and get perspective on things as well and yeah so to get places quicker but also the perspective element you know just to think this is, you know, like where you live, what you do and, you know, just as, and that goes back to, I was just thinking about skydiving that I've done that a couple of times and just that whole, like you look down on the world and you're like, oh my God, that's where you live and you never see where you live from upon high. For this week's quickfire round sponsor is EPH Creative. EPH Creative is one of the UK's largest manufacturers and suppliers of themed installations for events, private parties, TV, leisure, retail and hospitality. 
They design and build spaces to create moments of wow. From beautiful objects to immersive environments, they produce unforgettable experiences. EPH Creative are the industry leaders in theming and have a fantastic client list. They love building creative collaborative partnerships with their clients and have worked on some fantastic projects over the last 20 years. Get in touch with EPH Creative by emailing hello at ephcreative.co.uk or give them a call on 01937-222-777 to find out more. So Jen, it's now the, the difficult part of the of the interview with us. It's the quick fire round. So brace yourself. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm ready. So what is your coffee order? Uh, well, when I wake up in the morning, it's a Keurig because I got to have it immediately. But if I'm standing in line, it's a grande vanilla latte with almond milk. Oh, yep, lovely. If you had to eat one thing for every meal, what would it be? Mm, nachos. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, nachos. I love nachos. <laughs> right. This is a tricky one. If someone was to play you in a movie, which actor would it be? Oh boy, I don't know. I'm thinking about what people have said and then what I would want. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking of some. Right, I'll help you because I'm thinking of someone. Some of her strong parts. Someone like a Sandra Bullock. You know, in some of her serious roles. I, I was thinking I'm of thinking Anne Hathaway like too. I yeah. kind of like Anne Hathaway. And then someone had told me before Catherine Zeta Jones. So I thought of her too, but I don't know. I mean, I would take any of them really. If any of them would like to sign up to be the Jenna Turner movie, I would take any of Any them. of those are wonderful. So yeah, we'll go for those. Um, are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, I'm an early bird. What is the first career you dreamed of having as a child? Oh, oh, oh God, how could I have forgotten that? <laughs> Do you remember the show Quincy, the medical examiner? Yeah. I wanted to be a medical examiner, a pathologist, to carve up dead people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold that against me. <laughs> if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Oh, wow. That's a great one. I'd like to learn the media industry because I think there's tons of opportunity with events in media that would be super cool to do so I that's actually something I've been thinking about a lot about lately so I'd want to have a f- deep dive into the all things media industry so we've got to we've got to watch this space then, yeah right? no, I know thinking that what's, what's next <laughs> like television yeah. radio yeah <laughs> it's cool what would your go-to beverage be on on a night out oh I am definitely a red wine um girl yeah and champagne Ooh, nice so yeah. yeah either of those yeah. lovely yeah sound good right now actually, yeah it sounds really <laughs> perfect <laughs> pineapple on pizza is this a yes or a no for you Oh, there's an absolute no, a hard no. <laughs> hard no. No, that is not pizza. <laughs> no pineapple ever. Where in the world would you love to visit, but you haven't had the opportunity to yet? 
Oh, I was just asked this question recently. So I've always wanted to go to uh, Iceland and go to the Blue Lagoon. And then I also would love to see the Northern Lights. And I don't know if that happens in Iceland or Scandinavia or where I end up for that. But I, I want I want to do both. Lovely. What is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, God. Um, yuck. Um, Pine- pineapple on pizza. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> good one, Karen. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, you know, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I've eaten something horrible. Um, I think we ate bugs somewhere. No, you know what I would say? It kind of freaked me out. Was an eel. And I know that's not really anything, you know, people eat on sushi. But I think the first time I ate eel, I was kind of freaked out that it was eel. And it tasted like chicken. I think maybe if someone doesn't tell you what it is, you're okay. As soon as you know, then your mind's going, yeah. oh my God, it's an eel. Yeah, I can picture it kind of swimming and <laughs> slithering through the water. And it just kind of, yeah, not good. Mm. Yeah. What is the one thing and thing that you can't do without? Oh, my husband. Oh, <laughs> he's gonna be so happy. He will be so happy. With that she's gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna purposely you make sure your listeners. You send me that clip of the recording. Yeah, we will Karen. do. Yeah. <laughs> and then your final question: If you didn't have to work, what would you do with your time? Mm, wow, I would travel extensively. Um, and document my experience visiting all the different cultures and the people that I meet and the different destinations. And I would, I would love if I had an endless pot of gold that I could draw from, I would travel just endlessly. I just love it. See new places, meet new people and live like a local. Fabulous. Well, thank you for those answers. I'm all very interesting. So thank you. Jen, how can I how can I round this up? But thanking you, thanking you for your time, thanking for your patience. We've been trying to get you on for a while, um, <laughs> and it was definitely worth the wait. Um, appreciate all the content that you've been able to share with our listeners and and with Karen and I ourselves. So yeah, thanks ever so much. You continue being the superstar that you are. Oh, thanks, you guys. I really had a great time. Uh, fabulous. <laughs> Hope I see you soon. Yeah, it was fabulous, Jen. I'm just like, my, my brain's buzzing now. <laughs> like, I'm just, I think I need a quick lie down. <laughs> the Events Insight podcast was brought to you in partnership with Standout Magazine, the industry's go-to publication for event professionals. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, write us a review and spread the word.